welcome. This is an awesome podcast. This yeah. is one of my favorite ones. <laughs> to the Jeff. It's a lot of whiskey, Jeff. Macalino. Jeff Macalino. 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 Podcast. Hey, hey, thanks for joining me, folks. Got a great one for you today. Uh, I am uh, with Bill Ottman, uh, the co-founder and CEO of Minds.com. Minds with a M-I-N-D-S. Um, <coughs> so got a fun one for you. I'll tell you more about him in a second. I'm recording this only the day before I release this episode. I was going to record it last night, and I got a uh, nice last-minute surprise uh, tickets to the uh, Lightning game. So, got to, uh, <coughs> excuse me, lost my voice a little bit. Uh, got to uh, go to Amelie Arena and enjoy my first Lightning game of the season. Uh, and they won 5-3, to three, so that was nice. Um, so, excuse me if my voice cracks. A couple times. Uh, I think my voice was fine when I interviewed Bill, but uh, this intro outro, I did uh, shuffle up episodes. I'll talk more about that in the outro, um, just to to break up some of the. Try not to have too many consecutive episodes of being the exact same, uh, not exact same, but the similar topic. But I'll talk more about that on the outro. So stay tuned for that, of course. Uh, but. In the meantime, let me tell you uh, a little bit about Bill Ottman. Um, you may know him. He's been on the Joe Rogan Experience. That's a little podcast you may have heard of. He's been on there twice. Uh, he's been on NPR, Tucker Carlson, uh, New York Times, Wall Street Journal, a gazillion other places. Um, it's been on the Timcast uh, quite a few times. Um, so he's he's uh, someone who is a uh, very intelligent. Uh, in the technology field, uh, he's very much interested in um, protecting privacy, um, independent media, you know, all this kind of stuff. Um, I, I was I was almost nervous to talk to him, but I think I think I, I he did a very good job explaining everything uh, to me um, when it comes to some more maybe technical terms that were a little above my uh, level of knowledge when it comes to that uh, but he does a very good job breaking it down kind of uh, so even even a dummy like myself can understand it um so i hope you enjoy that before you listen to that you should go down to the show notes oh actually i'll say this too i i did start my own minds page right now my only subscriber is bill ottman so go ahead and click on me and uh download minds and uh and subscribe to me and bill while you're there uh, th those links are all in the show notes below. Uh, also in the show notes is a link to my good partners, Ibotta. It's a cashback shopping app that earns you cashback on items you're already going to buy at thousands of retailers. It's a no-brainer. Go pick out your groceries, pick what you're going to buy, upload your receipt, you get money back. Click the link below, download it through there, you get a special offer uh, for your first uh, I believe it's $5 you get for your first uh, offer that you redeem. Uh, click the link below so they know I sent you. And you know what would make this podcast even more enjoyable? 
It's a nice cocktail. But drinking spirits is expensive. <laughs> that was such a natural segue. Instead of dropping bank on a bottle you're not sure you'll absolutely love, expand your palate with Flaviar's ever-growing collection of spirits. This members club curates an extensive collection that's complete with everything from the big brand classics to offerings from smaller craft distillers with personalized recommendations based on your current likes and dislikes and one complimentary tasting box every quarter. Their selection eclipses what you'll find at local liquor stores and bars, totaling thousands, all documented in the Flaviar app along with visualized tasting notes. Members get special pricing and shipping is free on everything, so when you stumble on a bottle you need more of, it'll arrive right at your door. Use the link below to get the discount for being a listener of the Jeff Macolino podcast. I'll see you on the flip side. Here's me uh, and Bill Ottman. All right, everybody. I am now very pleased to welcome Bill Ottman onto the Jeff Macolino podcast. How are you, Bill? Hey, great. Thanks for having me. Yeah, for sure, man. I, um, you, I've heard you on many podcasts talking about pretty important stuff. Um, and I am someone who openly admits that I am not very bright when it comes to technology. So <laughs> I may ask you some questions. You're like, all right, this guy, you might see how dumb I am, or maybe I know more than I let on. I don't know. We'll, <laughs> we'll see how this goes. <laughs> um, all good. You are the uh, co-founder and CEO of Minds, um, and I know the major push with that is it's open source. It's, uh, I mean, it's. Would you call it social media? How do you how do you describe it? Yeah, yeah, we're an app. You know, feels similar to Twitter, except we kind of do everything the opposite in the sense of actually respecting users we'll see what elon actually ends up doing and if he reverses course but yeah i mean you know we have uh more payment mechanisms for creators we reward users with more reach and exposure no sketchy algorithms um free speech policy end-to-end -end encrypted chat you know why would why do we want access to people's conversations it's it's crazy that that the status quo with big tech is to is to scan your messages. Um, so yeah, um, but otherwise we try to make it feel you know fun and similar to to other apps. Yeah, and I I joined. I'm uh, you know I'm social media inept. I'll say to to say it nicely to myself. Um, I joined. I mean the the appearance of it. It certainly seems easy to function i just have it on my phone uh certainly appears easy and and functionable as far as far as that goes it doesn't uh doesn't look difficult to navigate which is one pet peeve of mine again not not knowing how to do stuff um with the since you brought it up this was an interesting uh topic especially with elon i mean he's had a whole soap opera with with twitter um do you do you think ultimately there's going to be any kind of legitimate change assuming that everything actually goes through and he is the the guy running twitter effectively that's a good question i mean i don't know i think um think that 
we have seen certain statements out of him so far. Um, he said that he's putting together a content moderation council. Which, okay. Um, so he's saying that that needs to happen before they reinstate anyone. Because um, obviously everyone's demanding like, oh, let back on Trump and Alex Jones and Babylon B and Project Veritas and kind of all of these these channels that have been that have been banned. And, you know, I think that he will. And he said that any, everyone will be reinstated who, you know, who was banned for kind of dubious reasons. Um, but it hasn't happened yet. And we got to see. I think that it's going to be. It's going to be interesting how far he actually goes to defend free speech because it's much harder than it seems on the surface. And he's going to have a lot of pressure to not really reverse course because there's sort of this meme going around that, you know, misinformation, hate speech, and all of this more controversial content is actually causing real world harm. And it's not that that is a hundred percent untrue. I think it can certainly do that, but you know, when you look at the, the research overall, what you see is that censorship actually increases radicalization and isolation and can cause people to become more extreme. Mm-hmm. So, and it can actually result in more real world harm. So really, you know, you got to do like a cost benefit analysis. Both sides have risks, but which side do we, do we want to lean towards? Which side over the long term creates more healthy societies? And I think that's pretty much already proven that, you know, freedom of speech is foundational to healthy societies despite some of the ugliness that can that can pop up during that um so you know but he's going to get pressure from advertisers he's going to get pressure from big media and you know that that really brings up the question well you know do what does advertising friendly even mean um because certainly there's plenty of advertisers who are comfortable advertising on Twitter, regardless of if it has more controversial content or not. And there's plenty of tools for companies to put in place that can prevent, you know, certain ads from running on certain content. So this idea that if a platform supports the First Amendment, that suddenly they're no longer advertiser friendly, I think that's a myth. I don't think that it's actually a real thing, but it is sort of this thought virus that is spreading around and it's creating this social and political pressure. So, yeah, I mean, look, I'm rooting for him and I hope that he comes through. I hope that he open sources the code. I hope that he encrypts the messages. I hope that he starts treating creators better, but uh, time will tell. Yeah. And uh, there's a a lot there with, yeah. And and I do think Elon, I do think he has noble intentions, but again, I, I think, you know, I don't know if he's, knows the pressure he i i know he somebody had sent me a tweet he posted kind of uh mocking hillary and i know he deleted that pretty quickly and it's like yeah he he doesn't want to be hillary so uh he he has some pressure that he probably was not not thinking of 
Um, with the encrypted messaging part, so in essence, if someone comes to you, or, and obviously not to you directly, but if someone comes to Minds and say, hey, we think these people are using your site to to uh, commit a crime. Now, obviously, that could be a, a vast, you know, that could be sex trafficking. It could just be drugs. It could be a million different things. Uh, sports gambling, you know, it could be a victimless crime or it could be a big victim crime. Is the answer that we just we don't have access to what they message each other on our app? So pound sand or is that basically what that means? Yeah, yeah. I mean, in terms of in terms of messages, we don't have the information. And so there's nothing to hand over. And we, we you know, that protects users and it protects us. I mean, why, why do we want to even kind of have that option? of, of seeing, and, and, you know, generally speaking, we don't require personal information at all to use the app. You can, um, you don't, you don't need to share any personal information. Um, you can be anonymous and I, you know, I know there's certain, certain risks with anonymity, but anonymity is also absolutely foundational, right? And, you know, if you're living in an authoritarian country and, you know, you speak out on the internet, um, you could go to jail, you could get right. killed. So you need anonymity in those circumstances. And, you know, that's, there's a lot of countries where that's the status quo. So, um, but, you know, we do, we you know, like, we have to comply with U.S. law. Our, our position, though, is to not have information to hand over if and when they do ask for it. Right. Well, and that way, yeah, you don't, if you don't have it, you can't supply it. So, I mean, that's, would seem to be the smart way to function. So you, you know, I can't see why any social media company would actually want that burden unless they're in essence trying to assist the state as opposed to just be a social media platform. Yeah, that's yeah, exactly like why it seems like extra liability mm -hmm. for them. Um, I think that there is a lot of pressure. So for instance, Facebook Messenger is actually the top uh, place on in the world where uh, child pornography is distributed. Mm. And so there are a lot of pressures from, you know, well-intentioned groups, I would say, that say, hey, listen, like, we need to have access to these messages so that we can stop the pedophiles. And, you know, on the surface, that seems like, oh, well, of course, um, you know, we have to stop the pedophiles. But it's the same, you know, it was the same thing with for terrorism or, mm -hmm. um, you know, whatever the kind of high risk type of content is. Um, it's the same excuse. And, and so, you know, at the end of the day, again, it, it, you have to weigh the cost benefit. So what we know is that backdoors into uh, encryption protocols or just, you know, backdoors into, into systems, communication systems generally make, make people less safe. So they make, you know, everyone more victim to hacking, you know, from a national security perspective, you know, if there's if it, if encryption protocols are forced to put backdoors into encryption, then, you know, that also makes the government less safe because, you know, governments are using these tools as well 
It's not like they're, you know, in, in, in their own world, like with a completely different set of technologies. So, um, you know, the question is, are we willing to enable sort of communication, sort of controversial communication to exist, but knowing that we're everybody is becoming more secure and more safe. So, and it's not like you can't catch child predators any other way. You don't need right. back doors to catch them. So it's a, it's an, it's an interesting philosophical issue. And I think that most, most people that have grappled with it deeply enough and understand kind of the implications of global end-to-end encryption kind of lean on the side of end-to-end encryption by default. Um, but there's a there, there's a debate, and I, I think that that's kind of why why you see this happening because the a, a lot of these platforms that do surveil think that they're doing some sort of social good. Not to mention they grab all this other data from the private messages, which they can use for you know advertising and whatnot. So like Gmail, for instance all of your messages are scanned and that's used to target ads at you. Same with Facebook. Um, so all of that content is fair game for their targeting purposes. And they, they really like that because most people actually are much more active in private messages than in public posting. So there's a lot, there's a lot more data there to, to use. And that's, uh, uh, and a couple things there. One is the, I mean, you know, I in philosophy classes in college, I remember them saying a lot. It's a logical fallacy to argue the slippery slope. But I say when it comes to the government, it's illogical not to argue the slippery slope because of history. Um, looking at everything the government does, it's always to usurp power in the name of or infringe on rights or freedoms in the name of stopping X, Y, Z. And first of all, it never goes away when the threat goes away. And second of all, it always their definition of what is I mean, look, there are people who were defining parents who wanted open schools and no masks on their children as terrorists uh, and extremists. Um, what's a crime? I know in some states in this country, I was told someone who lived in uh, I want to say Minnesota that his children could not come to his house for Thanksgiving because it was a crime uh, in 2020. For, for to leave your house to go celebrate a holiday somewhere else. So someone on Facebook Messenger setting up Thanksgiving plans with their their parents and their siblings right. technically is committing a crime. And right. in hindsight, doesn't that seem a little silly? Uh, as a Floridian, <laughs> it seems silly at the time already, but... <laughs> yeah, exactly. I think it's the perfect example. We've kind of just lived through, you know, a glaring example of the slippery slope and how you know, even now, a lot of what people were getting banned for has already proven to, you know, not necessarily be 100% true. But, you know, like there was just a big Senate report on the lab leak theory and saying that it's the most likely scenario of what happened. I mean, countless people were banned for just even uttering those words, you know, and those people haven't been let back on the platform. They've been cut off from their social circles. You know, their reputations have been damaged. 
and you know in some cases livelihoods ruined from getting banned from these networks because you know people do rely on these tools for for what they do and it's just um yeah it's really sad and they don't even seem to be apologizing after you know new information comes to light so that's that that's just how it's been i mean it's it's nothing new like the, the they've been abusing users for years and you know everyone kind of secretly knows it but is a little bit too lazy to change anything because it's so convenient and that's where everybody is and so you know at minds.com we are just chugging along and being there as an alternative and we've just been steadily growing over the years and i think that you know, as our messages continue to come true, it's just, you know, it's not, it's, it's not, it's a David versus Goliath type of effort. So, and even when huge scandals come out, I mean, look at this, this lab leak thing is perfect example. Like mm -hmm. they banned countless people for talking about it never apologized even after it was proved to be a valid hypothesis it's not i don't think the sense not saying it's 100 you know no one knows if it's 100 percent true but they're saying it's a valid hypothesis and but it's not like everyone's freaking out at facebook over it everyone you know still on instagram still on whatsapp still on facebook still on google and it just goes to show how addicted everyone is and you know, it's, it's kind of scary. It's like, it's, it's the like Stockholm syndrome. Like mm -hmm. we're just, we're stuck. You're, you're right. And that's, that's where it's an interesting discussion when all this was going on. I, I'm libertarian. So I'm always free markets, you know, private businesses should not be interfered with all this. When it, it got to a tipping point, I don't know, a year and a half ago, I think it was maybe at its worst where I was arguing with other libertarians. I'm like, look, I, as someone who, who's trying to make a living with a podcast, with comedy, with, you know, now I'm trying to get movie roles. If I don't have access to Facebook and Twitter and Instagram, that significantly hurts my chances of success. That hurts my pocketbook because those are what society, you know, I don't like them. I, I hate all of those things. Uh, the only thing I like is Twitter just for being a New Orleans Saints fan and communicating with about football. That's the only thing I like about any of these things is just that. Um, everything else I hate, but I can't not do it. You know, it's it's part of, you know, if I pick up one listener a week on Twitter, you know, that's how you grow as a as a podcaster or as a comedian or whatever. Um you you can't so so that was my argument is it's almost especially with a lot of the handouts that they get from the government, frankly, and the favors that they get from the government. It's almost a public utility more than it is a private business at a certain point. I just don't know personally, you know, I don't know enough about the business. I don't know enough about the technology to say where maybe that fine line might be. And even that, of course, then becomes a super slippery slope where they could just define successful businesses now as utilities as opposed to private companies. Um so yeah, it's a it's a you're damned if you do, damned if you don't is kind of the problem with the way that 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 everything is set up in the world right now. Um yeah, that, yeah, yeah. And 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 you know, we don't necessarily advocate for like an extreme cold turkey 
approach, like, oh, leave all big tech. Um, it, it more has to do with creating a healthy balance and at least having a balance, you know. And there's so many easy changes that you can make that push the world in the right direction. For instance, you know, just the browser that you use. Most people just kind of mindlessly use like Chrome or Safari or, you know, Microsoft Edge. But like, why? You don't, it, it, whether, you, whether you're double clicking on Safari or like the Brave browser or Firefox is, it's, it, it, it doesn't matter. They're, they're essentially, Brave is basically an open source version of Chrome. So the experience is essentially the same on, on brave that is to Chrome. Like it's great. So, and that's, you're feeding that company all day, every day. Like what we use is what we feed. So, you know, there's a lot of easy changes, even just downloading those apps, you know, downloading minds, downloading brave, downloading DuckDuckGo. Brave has a new search now as well. You know, if you're feeling bold, you can even replace your operating system with like Ubuntu, um, which is a Linux operating system. That's a little bit harder for people to achieve, but you know, and then like with messaging apps, like you can use signal instead of WhatsApp or, um, or Facebook messenger. I mean, and, and just wean yourself off, start to explore these other options because you'll feel better about yourself. You are actually making an impact. Doesn't seem like you are so much, but it really does have an absolutely massive impact. I mean, think about it. You're like you spending an individual person spending hours a day on an app is a lot of value for that app. Mm -hmm. So, you know, why are you just going to give it to someone that you know is exploiting you? It's not to say completely stop using those apps because they do obviously have value. They have a lot of people there. They have, you know, various functions, which, which are, are helpful, but just, yeah, mix it up. And, but, and if you can't do that, you know, you don't need technical knowledge to do that. You just need to download a few apps in the app store. And if you're not willing to do that, you really do have to question, like, do you, do you have principles? Right. With regards to this stuff. That's one thing. The, the one change I easily made, um, I'd heard of DuckDuckGo, but again, it was just laziness and, and habit of going mm -hmm. to Google. And I was Googling something and all the results, I'm like, this makes no sense. This thing I'm Googling doesn't have its own website. I think, by the way, I think this was researching a bachelor party in Nevada and I was trying to find the Bunny Ranch's website. Oh, um, couldn't find it on Google. Found it first result on DuckDuckGo. And I'm like, oh, they do have a website that gives me the information I was looking for. We didn't go to Nevada, so everyone's in the clear on that for the record if any anyone's listening <laughs> that knows guys who went on the bachelor party uh anyways but i, I was doing it for my own ed education but again from then on it's like all right well google sent me 77 sponsored links and wikipedia and news articles i i, I just searched the bunny ranch website 
which again on DuckDuckGo, first result was exactly what I was looking for. So that's when I kind of just switched my habits to 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 DuckDuckGo. Um, yeah, so just I'm change the default search in your browser, and it it takes a little bit of getting used to, and you know some of some of these apps are not quite as snappy as the big tech equivalent, but they're, they're, they're rapidly improving. And, you know, you do get this feeling of satisfaction ultimately, because every time I do a Google search now, I, I feel a little dirty. I mean, I just, I know that they're tracking that and that I'm feeding this beast, but, you know, sometimes you just want to see what Google puts up and so that's fine but you know it's definitely a better feeling to you know if you can do it on an app that isn't abusing you do that i mean it seems like it would be sort of basic sense um and yeah i mean look word is spreading i mean the fact that twitter is even you know elon is even claiming to want to do what he says he wants to do with Twitter kind of shows that there is a ton of momentum in this type of philosophy. And there's going to be a lot of backlash. He's getting an insane amount of backlash right now. It's going to be really hard to resist. But yeah, just the fact that it's even happening is a huge sign. I mean, it's a huge validation for for us and our model. And it just shows that the world is actually changing. So with... um. The open source, I assume, again, technologically not very bright. I assume that's just like the code for how everything runs is available to anyone who wants it. Is that kind of what open source means? Yeah, exactly. It just means that the code, the algorithms is public so that it can be audited, inspected. People can help contribute to it. People can um, build on top of it if they want to. And so, you know, yeah, it's not that that's really relevant to 99% of people. It's, but I, I compare it to like food labeling conventions, like mm -hmm. organic food, um, just because, you know, people do look for that label. You know, they want to know that their meat is grass fed. They want to know that it's not coming from a factory farm. They want transparency into, you know, knowing that this product isn't, doing anything harmful to them. So I, I, I think it's a useful comparison because, you know, 30 years ago, nobody knew what organic food was or, or anything like that. So um, I think we're going to get more towards that where apps are more, I mean, they are, they already are starting to be labeled and it's more so just comes down to, is this something that consumers care about? or are even educated enough to, to care about. Well, and and I don't think, I could understand the argument if there was some sort of proprietary benefit to keeping your code secret, but with something like Twitter or Facebook, there's a gazillion websites that have basically produced the same product. I, it doesn't seem from a, again, I not something I could do, but it doesn't seem from a, a tech perspective like they're too advanced that they don't want to give away secrets that people could copy. Uh, it seems like, you know, I've, I've run into a, a ton of websites and apps that have seemed very similar to Facebook or, or Twitter. Um, 
So they don't, unless I'm wrong, I don't, I don't really see that as being any sort of argument that we, we don't want to give away our secret that helps us be better than everyone else. It's just, they don't want to give away the secret that they kind of like, uh, I don't know if you've heard about all the uh, backlash that PayPal's getting for their terms and condition update, where they can just arbitrarily take $2,500 out of your account for anything anything they deem as hate speech, I think was the way they worded or something like that. Um, not that Facebook and Twitter are doing that yet. Uh, but it, it is, I, I guess, is there any argument devil's advocate you can think of as to why companies like that wouldn't have it be open source? I mean, you know, the whole, there's definitely an argument that proprietary software is, you know, a competitive edge. It's not as if like, oh, there's a million sites like this. So it's just ubiquitous. So it doesn't matter. Um, but I think with software compared to like a electric car or something, it's well i would argue that even the electric car should be open sourced but i'm i'm kind of hardcore on this stuff i th i i think that intellectual property you know is a real thing people deserve credit they deserve copyright but we've are we've proven that open source tools can dominate the market look at something like bitcoin I mean, Bitcoin is as viral as it is because it's open source and decentralized and encrypted. If if the creator of Bitcoin said, you know what, I'm going to keep this code secret and try to, you know, profit off of it more. I mean, it never would have worked. It's right. because because the principles completely clash. So if you're trying to create a global open uh, network, you can't have the software be closed. It doesn't, people, the people who, the developers who will work on it, the people who are to, will never participate in it because the power dynamic is off. You know, you're not, no, no everyone would have no reason to trust Bitcoin if they couldn't audit the code. You know, all of the smartest cybersecurity researchers and developers, you know, the reason they're all so excited about Bitcoin is because it's transparent, because they can um, they can verify it, they can run their own node, they can have access to their own their own tokens. And that's all cryptographically proven. So it's 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 a it's a bit of a paradox, but letting it go is actually why trillions of dollars of value have been created. Whereas if Satoshi had wanted to be selfish about that and keep it secret, no one would have even cared about the project. So, you know, I do think that the same principle sort of applies to a global open social network. Like on the long term, you're not going to get the users to trust you to give that plat that network long-term viability. And I think that this is starting to become a common theme with a lot of different apps and a lot of different technology. If 
if the if the power dynamic with the company if the product isn't good enough to generate revenue without sharing you know being tra without transparency then maybe there's something wrong with the the power dynamic between the company and the customer yeah no that's a it makes a lot of sense to me as someone who's always suspicious, but I'm also, um, that, that leads well into this. I'm also very naive and also a, a creature of convenience, um, which I think is, I, I think that last part is probably the part that, that, uh, screws over a lot of people is, well, this is super easy to do. I don't, so I think this is a common thing. You've probably heard it, even though you 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 talk to more intelligent people, so maybe not directly, <laughs> directly. But um, I, I tell people, for example, I, a few years ago, my parents got me a twenty three and Me kit. I did it, sent it in, all that, and then now I have some friends who are like, now the government has your DNA, and then I, I have one friend who I think is a little too far wackadoodle who says, now that they have your DNA, they can send things out that can kill you. They can put things out that can specifically kill you. I'm like, I don't think if, if that's the case, I'm already dead. They've got my DNA a gazillion other ways. I've given blood. I've done a million other things. I'm screwed either way. We all are. Let's face it. Um, they, they've been collecting our dirty diapers for decades. I think we're all fucked if they could just kill us with a snap of a finger. Uh, <laughs> but uh, you know, I've had other friends who are like, well, but now they can, they can, if, if your great grandchild commits a crime and leaves DNA, they can trace them through you. I'm like, I'm not really worried about that either. Like what? I'm like, look, I'm, I'm, I, I figure they already have my DNA. I don't oh, What difference does well, it look, make? <laughs> I see where you, I see, I see what you're getting at. And I think that, you know, it's the same type of mentality that says, oh, you know, I have nothing to hide, you know, whatever, mm -hmm. like. Google um, and, but however, with the, with the genetic stuff, like I've been tempted as well. Cause it's just like fascinating information that you want. It's like, right. I want to know what my lineage is. And I think that that is a very kind of human thing to, to want to understand. But if you had the choice, like, you know, maybe this is uh in, in my next lifetime, I'll take up this uh, startup idea, but <laughs> What if you were to do a totally privacy focused version of 23andMe? Oh, yeah. I mean, that's a huge market. I think a lot of people, if they had the choice between, you know, 23andMe or, you know, call it mind, you know, gene test, <laughs> um, like, which actually you had total control of your data. And it was, it was open source. You could see what was going on and it was the same price. I mean, it's, it's a no brainer. Yeah. 1 million percent. You're, 1 million percent. So I think that in itself kind of proves the point. Like if you have equivalent products, but one respects your rights and the other doesn't, that's really all there is to say. So um, I don't think that the 23andMe, like the fact that 23andMe is proprietary and you know has questionable data sharing and gene sharing practices, in no, like that 
only benefits them. That doesn't benefit the customer at all. Right. Maybe arguably it enables them to have the price be a little bit cheaper, maybe in some, some realm because of the sketchy stuff that they're doing. But then it's like, oh, you're acknowledging that you're willing to have your freedom taken away in order to save a couple bucks. Right. Where like, you know, if the price of 23andMe is 500 bucks and the price of, you know, privacy version of 23andMe is, you know, 700 bucks. Like, I don't know. If for, for me, it wouldn't even be a question. So I, our thesis is generally that in every industry, this is going to happen. And the best products are going to win because they're the best products and they treat the customer the best, not because, you know, it's some like proprietary kind of recipe. Um, I just don't see where that, that benefit. I understand. I think that people have the right to do that. I'm not saying that there should be any kind of like forced transparency necessarily. Right. But I do think that the market is going to, over time, choose the more transparent products. I I would think so. Um, now, I, I've had, now this is not me, uh, but I've had people make the argument, and they, they, I don't have a good, again, maybe it's the tech, maybe it's, it's just me. Um, I don't like it, but I've had friends who have said, Oh, I don't mind Google and Facebook because the, they spy on me and then I get ads on things I actually want to see. So, you know, like I, I'll be like, oh, cool. I do want to buy that. But, you know, which I know you're spying on me, but it's convenient. You put these shoes I, I would love to have just right here. Mm -hmm. uh, you know, uh, it creeps me out. I mean, I, I still feel like, you know, I still feel like they're actually listening, not just monitoring our searches. Because mm -hmm. I, I've had, I swear, I, I had a conversation at work about uh, a WWE, not something I Googled, not so, and I got home and my YouTube suggestions were full of all these wrestling clips. I'm like, what the hell happened here? <laughs> um, so I, I, I find it creepy. Um, but some people do like the, the, well, they give me what I want. So I don't think that it, yeah, I think that oftentimes the conversation gets turned into like, into sort of a, you know, X or Y, this, this, or, you know, no good suggestions or recommendations or, you know, total surveillance means, you know, that's the only way good to point. get good suggestions. So I also think that there's a way to opt in to surveillance where, you know, right now it's very much this opt in by default and there's no way to get out. So I can't tell Instagram to stop showing me that freaking rug that, you know, actually <laughs> looks like a really nice rug, which I kind of want. Um, <laughs> so it's like, cause that's technology and right. that technology is doing something. We don't know what it's doing, but it's doing something that is providing a valuable recommendation. Now, if that code was transparent and I knew that it wasn't, you know, listening to me, for instance, right now, we just don't know. Um, if that code was transparent, if I was opted out by default, but then I could opt in, 
if I wanted those better recommendations and also, you know, it was audited so I could see, oh, okay, you know, it's verifiably not listening to me. You know, it's just using whatever my location in this certain context or, you know, I just want to have a degree of understanding that it's not crossing a certain line. And, you know, everybody has a different line. Right. But the fact that there's no granularity where I can say like, okay, this is the level of, of tracking that I'm willing to accept to get a certain improved quality of recommendation. That's just not how it's set up. It's very much like you're in our surveillance dystopia world and just deal with it. Right. So yeah, it does. But in an open source encrypted world, there's still potential for opting into certain services which give you better recommendations, which might be compromising a little bit of privacy, but not necessarily all of your privacy. It's a, a the the tricky thing too. It, it comes to my mind. Uh, I remember, um, and I still have Snapchat mainly because I one of my friends travels around the world. He often can't text, so the only way we can message each other. I'm sure there's other ways, but the most convenient way for him is Snapchat. Um, and I looked the other day and I'm like, look at all, it says add all your contacts. I'm like, when did I give them access to my contact list? Well, I was recently divorced, hanging out with Winghouse waitresses who were signing me up for Snapchat so I could get some provocative pictures. And they said, oh yeah, let it access your contacts so that we can you can add me quickly. Mm -hmm. That was seven years ago. And now I'm like, well, I can't, can't unbreak that egg, I guess. I don't know. like. <laughs> So it's one of those things. It's like, yeah, horniness can also cause you to make bad decisions. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. People will, you know, convenience factor and it's okay. I mean, that, that, that is a human urge, uh, literally. And <laughs> I mean, I think that ultimately we just need to, yeah, keep pushing and there will be dating apps and whatnot that do it the right way. Inevitably, it's going to happen. Um, it's just going to take time because the thing is, when you're when you're starting a company, you can take all these shortcuts when you're building the actual app. You bring in your software developers, and they're deciding, okay, what features do we want? Okay, what what tools are we going to use to build those features? Most of the time, they're just taking off the shelf tools which are proprietary and surveillance in nature and puzzling those together and launching an app. And so the app is sort of pre-programmed with all of that stuff then just because this, the creators of the startup wanted to save time. Mm -hmm. um, that is so common. It's even common in alternative uh, social networks. And, you know, even a lot of sites that claim that they, you know, care about your freedom will do this. And, you know, I mean, like, and absolutely no judgment, but like, even look at us right now, like, you know, so we're on Zoom. Yeah. You know, Zoom. And, and I, that is just a part of the process. Like there are some open source and encrypted video chat solutions. There's this one that we use um, on mine's called Jitsi, which is fine. Like once you, once you use Jitsi, you can send people around links and, you know, it's pretty much just as good. You can screen capture from 
from that just as well as Zoom. But Zoom um, has become like a cultural phenomenon and that's just what it is. So it's a tool that you use to achieve what you want to achieve and it's part of the process. Um, and so like I was talking about before, it's kind of just like looking at all the stuff that you use under at least being aware of the alternatives, asking yourself the question with everything that you're doing. Like, you know, one thing that I've been really, uh, not using an alternative to enough recently is, uh, Google maps. And mm -hmm. there is a, um, you know, there are some open street maps, map tools that can pretty much achieve the same type of directions that Google maps does. So, you know, I'm, I'm on the transition with, with that right now. And so it, it the only thing that I try to put out there is ask yourself that question with every tool that you're using. Don't just like kind of be thirsty for like the, you know, glittery bait to, to do what you need to do every time. Yeah. And I, I think it's, it's a weird thing with the vocabulary we use in this country, the same way. If you're saying go search for something, most people say, go Google it. Absolutely. Uh, Don't I, say that. Yeah. Yeah. I, I try not to. And then the other, I was on a podcast a few weeks ago and they said, yeah, we use zoom. And they sent me a StreamYard link. I'm like, you didn't even, I don't know, StreamYard's privacy or anything like that. That wasn't, the point was they, they even called it Zoom. It's just become part of the, the vernacular. Oh, right. And yep. it's like, but, but, but we're not even using Zoom. <laughs> right, right. And that is a powerful thing when a startup achieves like becoming a word mm -hmm. in that sense. And yeah, no, I mean, I've used StreamYard before and it's like very convenient for this type of uh, a show. And I think that they have good developers there. I, yeah, again, I don't, they're not, I know that they're not open source. Um, and just because a company is not open source doesn't mean that like they're doing that sketchy stuff necessarily. Like it is possible that proprietary apps don't, but the point is you don't know. Right. Right. Um, yeah. I think that resisting using that language um, because it's very much like the, it's very Orwellian. It's kind of like the mm -hmm. corporate, the corporatization of speech Yes. Where we're suddenly replacing English words with, you know, names of corporations. <laughs> yeah. So that, so that eventually someday it's just like for every action, there's going to be some corporation equivalent of the, of the verb. <laughs> yeah. The, the, it's creepy. <laughs> I, I, this, this whole conversation I've been thinking of, of, uh, and I, I don't know how how many movies and stuff you watch, but I'm thinking Wag the Dog, which I think should be required viewing for all college students or all citizens should watch Wag the Dog. Um, uh, Wall-E popped into mine and, and 1984, of course, also. Mm. <laughs> uh, that's a book as well as a movie. Uh, I just like watching things. I haven't seen Wag the Dog. I'm looking it up right oh, now. Oh, it's De it stars De Niro and Hoffman. Oh. And a bunch of people like Woody Harrelson's in it before mm. his fame. Highly recommend it. Uh, it just complete manipulation of the media. Um, and, and yeah, I highly, highly recommend it. Uh, it's kind of a swept under for for a star studded cast. 
Mm. It is kind of swept under the the radar quite a bit, and I think intentionally. Um, but yeah, I I think the whole I, I without spoiling the movie for for anyone for yourself and anyone who hasn't watched it during COVID, all I could think about was Wag the Dog. Um, so hi, highly recommend that movie. Um, uh, despite having actors in it who I I don't know if they. Uh, would now want people to watch the movie <laughs> I'll, I'll say that um but right. yeah it's 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 no, dystopian it <laughs> yeah yeah and i think that you know most people kind of feel you know they know stuff's creepy but they just aren't aware of what isn't creepy and unfortunately because it gets a little bit technical people's eyes glaze over so mm-hmm. You know, understanding the solution is not, you know, there's a slight learning curve and it's not much though. It's honestly listening to a few podcasts and watching a few videos, how to's like you can figure it out. I mean, people are spending hours a day, like consuming an insane amount of video and listening to stuff. It's like, look. You know, you have time. (laughs) I I think people get too intimidated by words that are, um, like yeah. even like if I said open source to a lot of people, oh, I don't know anything, you know, and it's like, well, look, it's not a difficult yeah. concept though to understand. You just hear the words and say, I don't know what that means, so I don't, I, I'm not. I think the <laughs> same thing happened with organic. I will say, and you know, it became understood. Yes, I mean, there's probably still people out there who are like, oh, I don't, I don't know what that is. I'll just go to the store and just buy food um so you know even organic has not kind of achieved full you know it's not obviously everything's not organic and and you you have both options so but i think it's kind of reached a point where people at least understand the distinction maybe open source isn't the best word you know maybe but but unfortunately that's kind of the most the most clear you know other it's called free software in other circles but then that gets confusing because people think it's free as in you know price right um as opposed to free as in freedom um but yeah i think it's a very important or word to understand because it's not also just technology like you can have open source um vaccines you can have open source medicine open source um, you know, interestingly, you could even have open source food, like a lot of it's, it's not a perfect analogy with organic because organic, it means there's a certain amount of transparency because the company has had to report on its practices right. to a certain degree. So, you know, you understand like pesticide use and, you know, a, a certain, certain amount of data about the product but you know fully open source food would be like understanding the exact recipe right and you know so that's like a sort of a heightened level of transparency and i I should also mention that you know people it give it gets into kind of licensing around different content or software or technology and so, you know, with your content, for instance, like 
you can apply different licenses to that content. So you could say, I mean, I know you release it for free, so it is free to a certain degree. Um, but there's all, but but a lot of creators don't even know that they can do this. But you can apply different licenses to your content, which give the public kind of different degrees of ability to do stuff with your podcast right. or with your videos or your film. And so typically things are under all rights reserved, which means that they really, you know, can't do much. They could, you know, they can do like fair use commentary on it. Um, but there's a whole suite of licenses called creative commons licenses where you can basically say, Hey, if I license my video creative commons, that means that people can incorporate my clips of my film into their film and remix it. And they just have to give me credit. Or you could say you can do that, but you can't commercialize it. There, there's a whole array. There's like, so our code actually says that every, you know, you can take it, you can change it, you can sell it. But if you make changes to it, you have to show those changes with us and everybody else mm. so that they can't just take our code and go rogue with it and not share what they do. So it kind of fosters this ecosystem of sharing. So that's actually called a copyleft license. It's not like, it doesn't mean like left wing. It's just right. It, 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 it more, but it, it actually protects the company so that you can't have people just stealing your stuff without showing, you know, you have a legal claim against them if they take you the code and don't show it to say, you have to show the code. Um, so yeah, it's not simply just giving it away. No, but that's, that's the, I mean, it, it, to me, isn't, I don't know, from a, from a consumer perspective, you're looking at a company that says, you can take this code, you can start your own platform, you can make changes as long as you're public, as long right. as you, you make it clear what you're changing, and you can compete with us. Right. That, to me, it's like, why wouldn't you, from a consumer perspective, not only want to respect, but also utilize someone with that kind of transparency? Yeah, and I mean, look, look at a company like WordPress. So WordPress powers like, I think it's maybe even a third of all websites on the entire internet. And they're, they're a fully open source product. There's huge companies that compete with WordPress.com. They literally took WordPress's code and created a whole, like there's a site called WP Engine um, where, where you can like launch a website on WordPress. And WordPress wanted that to happen. Because they wanted their code to become the code for making blogs. And they totally achieved that. And so sharing it caused all the developers to come in and they built this amazing community. And there's multi-billion dollar business, very successful, but they've also um, you know, been able to respect people's freedom. And I, they're, they're honestly one of the best examples of proving that there you can you know become a major a major profitable corporation wow and I'm, also share at the same time yeah i'm, I'm glad i'm i'm 99 sure my website's on wordpress so i'm happy to <laughs> well if it's not if it's yeah see and then yeah you've got and these are the tools that people use that they just don't realize because like you got squarespace squarespace is the other 
uh, website builder, you know, there's a handful like Wix and, um, and whatnot. And, you know, the difference of experience is like non-existent. So it's like, if you're going to build a website, use WordPress, don't use Squarespace. There's no, you, cause you don't own your thing. That's, that's what, you know, hit me why why we originally started being kind of obsessive with open source was because i don't want my company to be beholden to other companies so when you're building a website or you're building an app and you're using all of these proprietary services within that if they go out you're screwed you know if you're if if you use sign in with Facebook as the way to log into your app. I mean, this has happened. Facebook goes down for a period of time and then people can't even sign up for your site. Yeah. Or, or they just choose not to support some, you know, some product and then, you know, you're out of luck and you know, your, your product might not be working for a long time. So sort of has to do with, it, it, it's not just a matter of, freedom it's also a matter of of ownership of your own stuff yeah and uh i i want to wrap this up to get you out of here i do um uh the only the only top well not the only topic but one one thing i i want to say and and uh i think i think if you if you end up watching wag the dog you'll understand even more so where i come from one thing I tell people, you you did mention it briefly earlier. Just listen to a few podcasts. I I argue, and I'm and not my own podcast. To be clear, I usually talk about with comedians and like metaphysical people. This is a rare educational podcast for me. But but um, I I tell people the future of media is podcasts. That's the only way we survive because the corporate media is too entrenched. There and and again, I I think yeah, I think if you watch Wag the Dog, you you come back and be like, oh yeah, no, they they hit the nail on the head about the the way the media works. Mm-hmm. Uh, podcasts, I do think, are the savior of free speech. Um, uh, Rogan, obviously, you've been on. I know you've been on Timcast uh, quite a few times. Um, podcasts like that. Not every Rogan episode is is educational either. Granted, but <laughs> some are. Um, but I do think that's the future of um, they don't need to be major podcasts, but I do think that's the future of how people should try to get information from media. I guess technically I'm media at this point. Mm. Um, so so maybe. I'm. Yeah, I completely agree with you. <laughs> I mean, I think that podcasts because of the architecture of them also like, you know, there's no central authority that controls the distribution so you can kind of have all of these different clients that can grab podcasts and um it's yeah it's a very kind of decentralized media distribution mechanism and yeah it's game changer i think that you know if big tech is killing people's attention spans podcasts are expanding people's attention spans so um yeah, they've absolutely changed my life. And I mean, I'm, I listen to probably multiple hours of podcasts every day. It's just kind of in the background for me. It's like the way that I learn and 
it's the way that I share information. It's really, it's, it's where it's at. So, and you know, it's, it's totally democratized, like, you know, and now it's almost like a joke. Everybody has a podcast. Um, and you know, some snarky people in the podcast community will kind of complain about that, but you know, that deep down they know that it's a game changer. The fact that everybody has access to do that and can just start, start ranting and raving and grow on their own without anybody else. So yeah, I think in the media world podcast is, you know, only going to keep exponentially growing. Um, and we definitely, I want to get a more of a direct audio and podcast integration into minds so that we can have it better, better synced in. So maybe we can follow up about that. Cool. Yeah. Yeah. And, uh, I'll, I'm going to, I'm going to start being active on minds. I just joined, uh, at St. J Mac for those, uh, minds users who are listening to this podcast. Uh, Bill, <laughs> I appreciate you coming on very much. Uh, where can, uh, obviously I'll link minds in the, uh, in the show notes. Uh, where do you want people to find you or just should they find you on minds? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Find, yeah. Find me on minds. Um, minds.com slash Otman O T T M A N. And then I did want to bring up this one, uh, this new feature that I'll, I'll definitely clue you into. It's for creators to earn money. Um, it's called Supermine. And essentially what it is, is it enables fans to send creators offers to reply to them. And so on, on the other way of looking at it, it enables creators to get paid to reply to fans. Mm. So it's similar have you heard of super chat on YouTube? Yes. Yeah. So yeah, it's like, that's basically a way for people to sort of throw a donation in on their chat so that the creator kind of replies to them. But with this system, it's actually better than that because if you don't get a reply, you don't pay. So it's not like a donation, but so I could send you an offer for like 50 bucks. Um, you know, Hey Jeff, can you, let me know a little bit about like what brought you into libertarianism, you know, so some w whatever question. And then I can specify if I want that to be a video reply or a text reply. And then you get a notification. Hey, Bill's offering you 50 bucks to a uh, $50 supermind to reply to this, this message. And, and that's how it works. So it's kind of like this bidding system for users to, you know, incentivize each other to engage with them. Because the reality is that everybody is so busy now and, you know, responding to everyone. I mean, even if you're not a big creator, responding to everybody in your like messages is, is insane. Yeah. Like people just like don't have time. And so this is, um, we've even had some people on the team joke about it. Like, oh, you know, I think and my mom said, she was like, oh, if, you know, I'm going to have to send you a super mind to get you. <laughs> to get you to reply to me um but you know it's um it's a cool way to kind of engineer as a fan to get you know creators that you like to create to, to respond to what you want them to respond to and it's all public so i'd love to follow up with you about that as well and yeah check us out thanks for having me man i really appreciate it yeah for sure for sure and uh if if you do watch wag the dog let me know what you think. I think you're going to, yeah. I think, I think you're going to see what I was talking about. <laughs> nice. uh, Bill, thank you again so much for joining me. And uh, yeah, yeah, we'll, uh, we'll stay in touch. Cheers. Thanks.
All right. That's it. That's all. Hope you had a ball. Thank you, Bill Ottman, uh, for joining me. Uh, some fascinating stuff in there. Um, and some good stuff to know. Just, you know, it's one of those things where it's like, there's just, I, as someone who uh, runs in some of the circles I do, especially, you know, when it comes to the, the liberty movement type people, um, there's a big push for privacy and all that. But it's one thing to kind of just know, ah, oh, it's an issue. It's another thing to actually learn a little bit about it. So I appreciate Bill uh, and his time. And uh, I look forward to, to seeing what he thinks of my movie recommendation, Wag the Dog. Uh, any listener who's not seen this, um, that movie, by the way, needs to. Absolutely required uh, material uh, for next episode. I expect a full book report uh, from each and every one of you. Um, although I realize that's a lot of reading that I don't have time to do. Um, but no, seriously, check that movie out. I don't even know where you can find it at this point. Um, if it's on any streaming uh, platforms that most people have, there's so many streaming platforms, who the hell knows? Uh, anyways, check out Minds. Uh, give me, you know, if you join, give me a subscription. And uh, same with Bill Ottman. It's all, you know, it's free to, free to hit a, a su the subscribe button. Same way it's free. If you have an Apple product, to go rate my podcast on the uh, iTunes or the podcast app. Uh, give it a nice old five-star rating. You can do that on Spotify, only on the mobile app, I believe. I don't think you can do that on the computer. Uh, but those all help, and uh, they make me feel good. Because, you know, I, I think they play into I think they play into factors like, you know, Listen Notes does a global rate rating. And for the first time, my podcast is now in the top 1% of podcasts globally. Not one and a half, just top one. Um, again, what that means, I don't know. But every time that number gets better, makes me feel good inside. So let me have that, will you? Uh, <laughs> uh, yeah, so I'm, I'm shuffling. I've, I've recorded, uh, let's see, I think I've got four podcasts in the can or in whatever you want to call it, um, already recorded. Uh, and I, I'm, I was, I wanted to put bills in here because, uh, I, I wanted to break up, uh, after talking to Leanne, phenomenal guest. If you haven't checked out last week's episode, you're crazy for not doing that. Um, but judging from the ratings, a lot of you have, uh, so, but Leanne Rose, great podcast with her. Uh, and then I talked to a couple of repeat guests who I absolutely love Calvin Smith and Wajid Hassan. Uh, I got to, to talk to both of them a second time. Uh, Wajid talks about a lot of, uh, not the same stuff, but similar ideas. So I'm like, well, let's break it apart. And Calvin and I talk a lot, uh, about a lot of different things. Um, and uh, I love talking to him because he always makes me think, uh, you know, and uh, I don't think we agree necessarily on what we believe in individually, but uh, we, I think, understand at least philosophically why the other feels that way. Um, I don't know. That's that's what I take out of it, but I always enjoy talking to him. Uh, but we talk, even though he's a, a very skeptic about everything, uh, we talk about a, a lot of metaphysical stuff. I'm like, I don't want to do three in a row. So Bill slots in there. I think next week I might double up because I I want to uh, get some of these episodes out before Thanksgiving. Uh, so I might just make next week a, a repeat week. I might do Calvin and uh, Wajid back to back like Monday and Thursday. 
Uh, and then I talked to a funny uh, voiceover artist, actor, Gary Maselli. Uh, he did a, a audio uh, promo that I played at the end of one of the recent episodes. Uh, I forget which ones where he did Daffy Duck and Marvin the Martian and Porky Pig. Um, but I, I do a full interview with him as uh, as himself. Uh, that was fun. You know, talk about a lot of different things. And then uh, I, I just recorded one uh, just a couple of days ago with Mary Beth Robinson, and it made me feel so warm and fuzzy inside. Uh, she runs a company called Superpower Inc. So that'll probably be coming your way in like three weeks. So uh, and I also have a, another guest I'm recording with tomorrow uh who's also a repeat guest so yeah i've got to got to figure out a way to cram these in and around uh before the end of the year uh because i learned last year it's uh listeners dip off uh about a week before christmas until about a week after new year's so i'm thinking of not even releasing episodes for a couple weeks around that time uh it's also hard to get guests around that time because you know what people are busy around this time of year uh, so I'm very appreciative to all of the people who, uh, who agreed to come on the podcast. And I realize when I'm charting out my weeks, it's like, I'm almost done with 2020, 2022's episodes. Um, so I'll start loading up guests for 2023 in the next few weeks, I guess. I don't know. It's, uh, exciting times here at the podcast HQ. Um, all right, that'll do it. I always appreciate anyone who uh, drops me a rating on Apple, Spotify, like I already mentioned. You can go do it on IMDb. Check out the first uh, draft. There's going to be several uh, movie poster designs for Women Want Everything. You can check that out by going to the podcast IMDb page, clicking on my personal IMDb page, and then seeing my credits. Obviously, one of them is Women Want Everything. Uh, cool, cool design for the first uh, movie poster. So check that out. And that's about all I got for you. Boom, it's over.